Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Thomas Cap Campanella, I, you know, uh, you're, you're named after a uh, your, your surname is of a famous baseball family. So uh, <laughs> glad to have you on the program, Thomas Camp Campanella. Probably should have purpose for having you on. You are in the healthcare industry and really uh, working in some of the most cutting edge areas of that. You know, and, and I talk often on this program. It's a business show, but let's face it: lifestyle, uh, our choices with our dollars, those type of things. I'll play a in the total picture as it relates to business and finance. And so, Thomas, welcome to the program. A little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about what you do before we get into our topic today, which we talk about often on here because I think it's crucial. Well, thank you, Kevin. And uh, I've worked in diverse sectors of healthcare for over 40 years from payer, provider side. I've worked with employers. Uh, I was an associate dean of a medical school got involved in population health. So I've been in really all aspects of healthcare, which I think uh, adds a different dimension as I address particular issues. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about, uh, set the stage for us for our topic today. I think this is extremely important. It's something that there's a lot of uh, debate going on about how do we best take care of an aging population. How to set the stage for us? Okay, well, ultimately, um, if you're trying to address health care costs and keep people healthy, the most provider special, uh, specialty that's the most important is the primary care physician. And that relationship, especially for vulnerable populations like the elderly, is critical. So whenever we can establish that type of relationship and uh, and really put primary care physicians to the center stage, we all win, not just the patient, but society. Seems like primary care physicians are almost in an uh, existential crisis. <laughs> they don't want to be primary care physicians anymore. Uh, that, that's the impression I get. And I'm not saying it's because of any other reason except for the fact that we don't have a health care system but a healthcare system. We disincentivize the idea of the primary care physician. You hit it on the head, Kevin. It's, um, you know, I was associate dean of a medical school, an osteopathic in uh, Ohio, and uh, probably 80%, and this was 25 years ago, were family medicine physicians. And there was so much passion on their part, but it was so frustrating to see them as they were going through and they knew the system that they were going into, and uh, and not just from a compensation standpoint, but because they weren't valued. And uh, consequently, a lot of them wound up switching from primary care to other specialties. And uh, and we talk, the government constantly talks about we need more primary care docs, but we don't do anything about it. And now's the time for less talk and more action. I sit and wonder because as we've seen a decline of the primary care physician, uh, they go on to specialties that don't really require dealing with insurance a lot. They're all tired of insurance. They're exhausted by it. Don't blame them. Uh, it's such an extra layer of cost. Um, what we're seeing is a, is a massive rise of nurse practitioners who are playing the role 
of uh, the just be played by primary care physicians. Talk about that, that dynamic and and both the good and bad of that. Yeah, I I think the the good part of of nurse practitioners, for an example, is that uh, they do focus on the patient. They do focus on keeping people healthy, and they are well trained, not to the extent of primary care physicians. So at one end, uh, nurse practitioners can play a key role, not just in urban areas, but I'm a big proponent of uh, we need to address healthcare in rural areas. And in many rural areas of the country, a nurse practitioner can play a core role and their uh, really scope of practice should be expanded. But what I'm concerned about is when, um, you know, policymakers talk about the answer to primary care physician shortage is more nurse practitioners rather than addressing the issue of the shortage of primary care docs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the policies, uh, and you, you nailed it. Unless we want small towns to disappear in rural areas, we need to recognize the fact that a lot of medical doctors simply aren't going to move to town. No, yeah, it's it, not happening. And so what you end up having is, is, for example, in Texas, it blows my mind. It has among the most stringent rules and most difficulty in terms of economy for nurse practitioners of any state in the country. If anything, at least in certain geographical areas, sanctioned certain geographical areas, they should be among the most uh, capable for uh, autonomy for nurses. It's bizarre. Yes, and I mean, common sense has got to take over somewhere. Well, maybe not. Uh, you know, when the government <laughs> you involved. said policymakers. You said policy yeah, you makers, got it. So probably and, not. Uh, anyway. what, what it comes down to is if you have areas where uh, you don't have providers and people need care and nurse practitioners are willing to go into those areas, but you limit their ability to be able to treat the patient or prescribe, uh, uh, you know, drugs that could help them and everything like that. It is so uh, short-sighted. And, uh, and, you know, and what that means is maybe in, say, Texas, you know, obviously a large state, Urban areas, you might say, okay, we may limit the scope of uh, nurse practitioners. There's only certain things they can do because we have enough docs there, primary care. But in the rural areas, small towns, you know, you have to have a completely different uh, approach to that type of setting, both from a primary care doc and also from a nurse practitioner perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So what, uh, you know, first of all, what kind of work are you involved in currently that relates to this in, in terms of uh, trying to change the debate on this issue? Well, I, I'm trying to be Paul Revere here. And uh, so, you know, I'm uh, shouting on the rooftops and uh, and saying, you know, instead of saying the British are coming, I'm saying uh, we need to change. And, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, we, uh, we need to get out of the sick care system and get into our health system. The challenge is, when you think about it, Kevin, is 20% of our gross domestic product is spent on health care. What we talk is cost, is profit to so many other stakeholders, and in many cases providing value-less care. And that's where the problem is because these same, same stakeholders are making lots of profits, they have all the lobbying occurring at both the state capitals 
and at in Washington to be able to perpetuate their sort of status quo scenario. So that is probably the leading reason why we haven't evolved from a system that really focuses on trying to keep people healthy. It's really quite this. In fact, uh, the way the current healthcare system that I hear all the time is free market, is capitalistic, is what drives innovation. I hear these things all the time. And there's some truth to that, but there's also a huge distortion in that. And it's really crony capitalistic. And it's not driven for the consumer interest in mind, but many corporations in mind. Everything to the innovation of new drugs that have perpetual copyright protection uh, and are prevented uh, from ever reaching generics mass because they do little tweaks to it that they knew about even when they developed the drugs. I mean, the system is sick. It's sicker than the patient. No, I couldn't agree more. And what you're talking about the label they put them on it is the Me Too drugs, where they're basically the same as what's out there, and uh, and then they bring them out, and they're X number of dollars more for everybody. You know, um, the challenge in all this, I'm not a believer in nationalized health care, but, you know, there's a part of me that's saying, okay, do we need to have a czar of health care? Well, you know, that sounds great, but we know what happens when you give absolute power to any particular entity, you know, from that standpoint. All I know is, you know, you're, you have a business show there. My plea is that, think about it, the employers are financing a major portion of health care. As you stated, their budgets, as they uh, spend money on personnel, supplies, and everything to try to survive in competitive markets, the health care side of their budget continues to grow, and they're the ones that paying it. And most employers, including employer coalitions, take a back seat to all the healthcare stakeholders that are making money. We need to hear their voices. We need to hear their voices in Washington, Columbus, uh, in state capitals, and we need to hear their voices, you know, throughout, the, you know, from a sort of a, a educational standpoint for the public. But uh, now is the time again for, you know, less talk, more action. And the employers have the ability, they need to come together as a group. And uh, hopefully people like you and others can sort of be a rallying cry for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of socialized medicine either. I've got, my mom is from the UK, and, and uh, there's pretty much no doubt that my grandfather uh, died due to socialized medicine. Uh, it did not, it essentially, that certificate, it did not make economic sense for them to do a procedure that they would do all the time for someone who was still paying taxes. And so it was literally, it was literally uh, extermination due to the fact that he was no longer contributing to the system. Uh, you know, so I'm not a fan of it either. In fact, I think comments like this could help prevent us going into a socialized system. Uh, not doing anything about the current situation will drag us to a socialized system very quickly. It's just a question of And where. you are right, because you know how people are. I mean, if there's a sign of desperation, even employers, if they raise up the white flag and say, nothing we can do, maybe the answer is uh, big brother government coming in, and we both know that that's not the answer. Uh, and, you know, going back to you with before, and I like the term, it's almost like selective capitalism, 
because I'm a big believer in capitalism. I'm a big believer in Adam Smith and the idea of, you know, people, you know, it, it sort of drives innovation and everything, but it's got to be the right type of innovation. It's got to be focused on making positive change, and we can do that. We can help change the rules of the game, but part of it is taking on the current stakeholders that are trying to hold on to the past, the sick care system that they're making lots of money. And we got to encourage competition both locally, regionally, and nationally because I'm a big believer in competition. I'm a big believer in transparency and, uh, and also obviously uh, as it relates to primary care. Yeah, very good. Um, final thoughts as you wrap it up. As uh, information on on uh, keeping up with your work and and the work of uh, um, you know in fact you haven't even talked about your <laughs> about your former affiliate your formal affiliation who you work with talk a little bit about that yeah I'll begin to wrap it up yeah very briefly I'm like I said uh, I've worked in multiple sectors uh, I've actually been an of counsel for Baker Hostetler Law Firm for 20 years the national law firm actually we have offices in Texas. Houston and that, but I retired from there a couple of years ago, but I was doing that along with my healthcare consulting and along with um, being um, uh, a director uh, as well as a healthcare uh, professor at Baldwin Wallace University in Cleveland. Uh, what happened is about uh, three years ago, I retired from uh, both legal and um, uh, Baldwin Wallace, but they brought me back as a healthcare executive in residence. Uh, it provides me a platform to help uh, sort of spread the word in regards to healthcare. I help them obviously too in increasing the exposure to, uh, you know, the country to Baldwin Wallace and our healthcare programs. But, you know, ultimately, uh, I think I have the best of all worlds. I'm basically out there. I never know. I write, I publish. I do webinars, I speak at conferences on all the things we've been talking about today. And, uh, and it's a combination of event because of frustration, but also a call for action. Because I can only do so mm -hmm. much, but I'm trying to get other people to sort of step up with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thomas Kempen, appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us. I am Kevin Price. You are listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more after this.